0: The COVID-19 pandemic has changed life for all of us. But even before this, we were already fighting an epidemic, the battle against chronic disease. And those with chronic diseases are at highest risk of contracting severe coronavirus infections. So how do we protect ourselves during these uncertain times? But more importantly, how do we view health? Welcome to the Glass Half Healthy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jonar a board-certified physician in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. In this podcast, I want to address the current crisis of chronic disease and to challenge conventional attitudes towards health. We'll be exploring these issues with thought-provoking guests to help redefine what health should mean for all of us. I hope to inspire you to take action towards a happier, thriving life because good health comes to those who expect it. What is up everyone? I am your host, Dr. Jonar, and this is my podcast, The Glass Half Healthy. We have a special report episode airing this week based on your feedback. What I initially sought out to do with this podcast is take the COVID pandemic as an opportunity to discuss the epidemic on chronic disease and its role in serving as risk factors for severe COVID infections. And with the start of the vaccine phase rollout, I've had a ton of questions from you, my loyal listeners, as well as family and friends on the vaccine and protecting yourself against COVID. So I decided to bring on an expert who is currently helping the LA County to mitigate COVID outbreaks. Her name is Dr. Hang Tran. She is a board certified family medicine and obesity medicine doctor who also has her master's in public health and works with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health to help control COVID-19 outbreaks in the workplace. We got lots to discuss, so let's cut to the chase and enter the pod with Dr. Hang Tran. Thanks for coming on the show. So, you know, as you know, I am a hospitalist here in Los Angeles and what we're experiencing right now is like New York City back early on in the pandemic, we are the new epicenter. It's been such a battle going into work at the hospital. It feels like a war zone, you know, with the frequency of very sick patients uh, along with the COVID-related deaths that we're seeing. But our silver lining is this vaccine, which is the hot topic nowadays. So let's talk about the COVID vaccine for a little bit. How does it work and why do we need two doses?
1: So the COVID vaccine has a genetic code, uh, specifically it's the mRNA That basically tells your body to make the antibodies to the spike protein, which is on the virus. The spike protein allows the virus to enter the body, human cells, and cause the infection, the COVID infection. Basically, it's a genetic code. It's coated with some of these nano small lipid particles. So that way, the code goes into the body and makes it. The code does not alter the DNA, I, I want to clarify that, just because a lot of people are afraid of it. We do need two doses for just additional effectiveness so that way can get up to 94, 95%. Keep in mind that after the first dose, you know, we've seen anywhere from 50 to 80% effectiveness, but then the second one gives it additional effectiveness.
0: Got it. Yeah. So basically that second dose pushes us up from like 50 to 80% all the way up to like 95%.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, with the influenza vaccine, even though we get it once a year and not to downplay that vaccine, but typically the effectiveness for influenza is 35 to 45 percent. So this is a very good vaccine to get.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do we know how long does the vaccine actually take for to be like fully protective after you get the vaccine? So like, let's say, you know, for myself, I got the vaccine a week ago. So how long would it take for my immune system to be, you know, up to that 95% level protection?
1: Well, we do, you do need two doses. It takes about a few weeks after the second dose.
0: Okay. So like at least a like two weeks after that second dose. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got the second, the first dose I got like mid December. And then, like I said, the second dose I just got, and I got the Pfizer vaccine, not the Moderna. And actually just as an aside, I mean, from your own perspective, what are we seeing so far about like, kind of like the major differences between the vaccines? I know that we, you know, we talked offline, one of the vaccines requires you to refrigerate it at like a really, really cold temperature, but the other one you don't really need to. Do do we know these major differences between the two?
1: The major differences, the Pfizer, the dose for that is a little bit different. Um, It's 30 microgram for first dose and 30 for second one. The time period to get the first and second is 21 days. And it's also surrounded by nanolipid particles. Mm-hmm. Um, the Moderna, the dose for that is 100 microgram for first dose and second dose, and it doesn't have to be stored uh, at such cold temperature. It also, the the gap to get the Moderna is actually four weeks.
0: Okay, so it's longer mm-hmm. period of time between the two doses for the Moderna. Yes. But the Pfizer one is less time. Exactly. Okay, but the Pfizer one you have to keep like really, really cold temperature, whereas the Moderna one really doesn't require that.
1: Exactly. And and for, you know, for that storage issue, you see more Moderna given out in community health centers and rural areas that don't have the ability to store the vaccines or, I mean, the, the Moderna, they can just store with the regular ref- medicine refrigerators that they have versus getting something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then when we're talking about the vaccine, you know, we, we've we had other vaccines in the past. We, you just talked about the influenza vaccine. This vaccine you just said is made up of an mRNA, which is, you know, kind of like DNA in a way to, mm-hmm. to expose your immune system so that it'll recognize the next time the real thing, the coronavirus, co- enters your body so it can fight it. So, but there's some out there that say that this vaccine cannot give you coronavirus. So can you kind of walk us through why or how, how that is, how is it that like our immune system can protect us when what we're getting injected with is really not the actual virus?
1: Okay, uh, that's a great question. So you're getting the genetic codes that has the structure, the part outside the virus, it's not coding everything of the virus. I see, um, so it's
0: just the outer protect... Exactly. It's allowing your body to, to recognize the outer part of the virus, not the whole virus itself exactly okay okay that, and it doesn't that,
1: it doesn't code a whole virus basically yeah
0: right right yeah. so in that even makes more sense why you there'd be no way that you can actually get the actual coronavirus infection from getting the vaccine from what you exactly. just said
1: exactly exactly theoretically you should not although there are some cases in the news where um, recently there's a physician who got the coronavirus and then he ended up having, so he got the vaccine, then he get the infection and somehow he infects his family. This is out in Florida. But they we are still investigating that case. The, the struggle is some people may have the virus on them already before they got the vaccine. That's right.
0: So that that's probably what ended up that's happening probably what happened there, too. even mm-hmm. though, you know, obviously more investigation work needs to be done. But yes. yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So so basically, just to summarize, the vaccine is not the whole virus itself. It's only part of it to allow your immune system to recognize it. And therefore, yeah, you can't get it in theory from yes. from the vaccine. Exactly, cool. yeah. Good, mm-hmm. so let's, we've dispelled that out there, everyone. Just make sure <laughs> you, you get your vaccine. And then who can get the vaccine now? Like, why is the rollout so slow? I ha- I've had a lot of people come to me like, why. Why can't the regular public, the general public, get the vaccine now? What's what's the deal with that?
1: So the way that it works with this vaccine is it's allocated in phases, and it, a lot of organizations come together and discuss about this. The FDA, which is the Food Drug Administration, the ACIP, it's the Advisory Committee on immunization practices and as well as CDC. So they come together and they sort of create this um, nice, you know, these tables of different phases and pretty much prioritize the people that are most affected uh, by coronavirus infection. These are usually nursing home patients, as well as the essential frontline workers who are working things like in the ICU or in the nursing homes. So those are people in the you know priority group and then after that it's other healthcare workers and then it's the elders over 75 and then you have people who are between less than 64 but older than um 55 with chronic conditions and then um it, it just goes down the list uh, it's it's based on the greatest benefits that for society, um, for mm-hmm. the country, and the, the people that are working at the front line versus... Um, it's, it's really based on risk and benefit. And mm-hmm. the way that the vaccine distribution works is it goes to the public health, the local public health county. And, so, and then the county from there distribute the vaccines to some of these medical clinics or health systems. And then Theoretically, they should be going with the CDC guideline. Sometimes you don't see that happen because of political issues, mm-hmm. but it, it should go through that guideline that CDC has out. I and see. so, for example, for in Los Angeles right now, our goal is to vaccinate 500,000 you know, other healthcare workers and not just the essential. The essential, the ones who are frontline have already gone there. So the ones in right. ICU and nursing homes. Now it's the other ones who are outpatient, the dentists, the um, mm-hmm. the urgent care doctors or primary care doctors that
0: mm-hmm.
1: see less COVID patients. So now they are getting it. But as far as it's the general public, it would be, I'm hoping it will be in the spring. It really depends on how fast the state and the county is going. Right. Yeah.
0: For like, you know, the rollouts now for what you the just rollout.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And
0: by spring, you mean spring 2021, right? Not spring
1: 20. 20- <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it It should be spring 2021. And, and you know, there it's very difficult to push out. You know, we, we just got the vaccine approved, you know, late of 2020. And mm-hmm. to push it out. And, you know, the, the one thing that people don't think about is not only you know, having the supply of the vaccine, but the staffing, staffing shortage, mm-hmm. it's a huge issue in staff burnout. Um So even, you know, for example, one place, you know, that I know they got the vaccine and it took them a few weeks to roll it out because they didn't have enough nurses to vaccinate and start a, a vaccine clinic. So oh, you geez. have that issue too.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're seeing a lot of shortages, you know, in, in the hospitals too, because, it's affecting the the workers, the nurses and the doctors are getting it just because the the sheer numbers of COVID cases we're seeing. So some talk out there about how the vaccine can be dangerous or even lethal. So is this really true? Like, what are we seeing with the Pfizer vaccine and even the Moderna vaccine?
1: It is true. There is a very small risk of lethal you know, conditions such as anaphylaxis, where there is a systemic shock with swelling and blood pressure dropping and people passing out and the airway closing. And obviously, if people have anaphylaxis and not seeking appropriate care, they can die. And it is something mm-hmm. important to take a note of. Mm-hmm. There were a few people who had it. They, were actually monitored at the vaccine clinic. They were actually in medications with EpiPen and Benadryl. And these people were triage and treated appropriately. They also had reactions to uh, other vaccines and allergies in the past. And from what I remember, they also had anaphylaxis. So if you are someone with a history of anaphylaxis and severe allergies, and you worry about it, uh, you may consider talking to your primary care doctor about the vaccine. The one speculation about why people get the anaphylaxis is it could be due to the peg component in the vaccine. So if you know you have a history of peg reaction, that's something to watch out for. But overall, the, the risk, you know, the risk is so rare that you kind of have to look at the bigger picture of how prevalent, how common COVID is, and the fact that you know, if you get it. Most people will do okay, but some people will not. And it, when you need a hospital bed or you need to be hospitalized, you may not be able to be treated appropriately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, expect that there may be some reactions, you know, mild reactions. But the rare conditions, like the anaphylaxis, that's that's very rare. Very and, rare. Yeah, in, and there like are in medical... In terms
0: problems. of, like, you know, percentages of people, like, what are we seeing so far? Would it be, like, less than 1%?
1: Anaphylaxis, that's a, you know... It's less than one percent,
0: less yes. than one percent. yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's what I would think. I mean, that's kind of across the board, you know, like you just said with different vaccines, different medications, this is not anything new to the medical community. we We see this, you know, it's not uncommon that we see very rare reactions to specific types of drugs or specific types of vaccines. So like you were saying, if you've had a history in the past of some type of serious reaction to a vaccine, just make sure you talk with your primary doctor about it before you actually end up getting the vaccine, right?
1: Yes, yes. And yeah. I would say, you know, um, so for the Pfizer, I found out it's 11 cases of anaphylaxis over a million doses. And most of them occur within 15 minutes. So when you, you know, when you go get your vaccine, you are being monitored by licensed professionals and doctors and nurses and mm-hmm. pharmacists uh, for 15 minutes to make sure that you do okay.
0: Right, right. Right, and that's, you know, just to give a little glimpse into what's been going on at our hospital, you know, we have had the rollout since about mid-December for the vaccine, and they make us all wait in a room after we've been injected. We have to wait 15, there's a, you know, a timer that's set off, and then we have to wait 15 (laughs) minutes. Luckily, I haven't had any serious reactions or even mild reactions. And actually, as a side note, I was going to ask you and maybe just briefly talk about, Mm -hmm. so you know, people have had some mild reactions. Like they feel like they've had the flu. I've had some some yeah. friends, doctor friends who've gotten it and they f- they feel like, you know, they, they have chills, they feel fatigued, they have body aches. I mean, I think that, you know, I'll speak briefly on it. I mean, I think that's a good sign. That means your immune system is actually robust and working. I to, agree. Yeah, to, to, <laughs> to, to, to
1: the
0: prep itself. For the next yeah. time, it might see it again, and that's what yes. your body does with any pathogen, mm-hmm. whether it's you know bacteria, virus, what have you. So, what what do you think about that? Like any additional thoughts on that?
1: Just having reaction. Um, yeah, just having a reaction,
0: like just to reassure the the, the our audience, our listeners that that's mm-hmm. a normal process for any type of vaccination. You you would get correct.
1: Correct. Yes, I mean you are getting a code, and your body has to like get it going to produce these proteins, uh, the antibodies, to prevent the virus from entering. Um, it's it's taking some. You can think of it, it's taking some, you know, physical work on your body to build up these antibodies.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I guess my next phase of questions, like all these different people who've li- who listen to the podcast and also yeah. just family and friends, so. Yeah people who yeah. have autoimmune disease. Yeah. like with rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. And, and you know even elderly people or people who have had bad responses to vaccines in the past. Is it is it safe for these groups of people? And I know we already talked about people who've had reactions to vaccines, but how about for like the elderly? How about for people with autoimmune disease?
1: Okay. For autoimmune diseases, it's a little bit tricky because it depends on you know, their, the severity of their condition, whether they have it more mild, moderate, severe, and the medications mm-hmm. that they're on, because certain biologics that they're on actually inhibit the body's ability to produce antibodies. Mm-hmm. So, and- And just extreme- for like,
0: real quick, for the general public biologics, they're they're kind of just like immune modulators to kind of-
1: Exactly. Amper
0: your, your body's immune response. Because a lot of people who have autoimmune disease, their immune system is super revved up. So these biologics help to suppress it, right?
1: Yes, exactly. And because of that, it may interfere with your body's ability to make antibodies to Mm. prevent the spike proteins from the coronavirus vaccine from entering. So that's why there are certain medications that will interfere that. So it is best for them to check with their specialists, uh, especially Mm -hmm. the ones that are on these um, immunomodulator medications, biologics.
0: Gotcha gotcha and then how about for like you know immunocompromised people like people with cancer or or like the elderly too right because they would fall into the category of you know being at higher risk for like a kind of blunted immune system so how about these people
1: if it's elderly healthy they can get it but elderly with, with more autoimmune that's tricky I, I would i would defer that to their specialists so
0: okay so basically yeah. if you do have specific conditions that, on certain
1: medications on
0: certain medications yeah. you really should check with your either your primary or your your specialist right yes. yeah. okay okay good good and then how about special groups like for kids or you know women who are breastfeeding or pregnant women what what have we seen out there are there is there any data to support that it would be safe with these mm-hmm. groups
1: So for kids, the Pfizer vaccine did study in some of them. It is indicated for um, more adolescents, not ages 16 to 17, uh, but not younger than 16. Moderna did not study in kids or adolescents. So right now it's not indicated for children or adolescents, less than 18. Gotcha. As far as lactating women patients, as well as pregnant women, they were excluded from the study. In mm-hmm. the clinical trials, and but I believe in the Pfizer vaccine, what happened was there were there were twenty three women who became pregnant after the vaccine, so there um, those women are being studied right now, and one of the vaccine, I'm not sure it's Pfizer or Moderna, but they are planning to study in a larger cohort of pregnant
0: women. Interesting. So that's going yeah. on as we speak.
1: Yeah, but but what I would recommend is that pregnant women should still get the vaccine because we've seen pregnant women at high risk of getting COVID end up in ICU, having longer hospitalization, because pregnancy itself is a condition that puts them at risk of worse outcomes. Mm -hmm. So for Mm -hmm. for those reasons, they should get it. Um, You know, it is an individual choice. You know, some some physicians and OB may say maybe get it after the first trimester. You know, the flu vaccine, we still recommend getting in first trimester. So I don't see it how it's different. But then again, Mm -hmm. we did not study the safety on pregnant women in the study, in the clinical trials.
0: Clinical trials. Got it. Got it. Okay, how about for those that have already been sick with coronavirus or that they already have antibodies to uh, Mm -hmm. COVID, do they still need to get the vaccine?
1: The recommendation is for them to wait 90 days, three months from when they were infected to still get the vaccine.
0: Okay, why Um, is that? Do we we know the rationale behind that?
1: Possibly because the immunity from having an infection wanes after that, but Mm, also they're there are speculations that this vaccine can help fight with the new uh, strain of uh, COVID, mm.
0: the mutant mm-hmm.
1: strain that's going around. Yeah.
0: yeah, and just as an aside, if we want to just touch on that because we're talking about it now, we hear stuff in the news about this virus keeping, uh, you know, mutating. And so, how is this a problem that we're ever gonna? Really solve?
1: <laughs> you know that. <laughs> That is a very big question. And I can tell you early in the pandemic, February, I remember thinking about this and uh-huh. I remember thinking that COVID is not going to be the only bug. We're going to have other bugs. You know, yeah, what if we right. have multiple pandemics going on, we'll have some sort of, you know, bacterial or fungal. And and I remember my colleagues said, just focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely. I, I, I would say, yes, th- this is the, you know, it's inherent in this type of virus to mutate. We've seen it with the flu. The current strain going on right now is not as uh, severe. It's not as deadly. Mm -hmm. I would expect it, it will mutate. And I would say, I don't, Think we can expect zero transmission in community. I think it will still flow around. I think we'll get to a better place though once we um, we have more measures, you know, we have more people vaccinated. We have people who are sick really should stay home. People, mm-hmm. you know, adhering to the pandemic recommendations with mask wearing, social distancing. Uh it'll go down, but it, it would be difficult to say that it will ever go away to zero transmission.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So You know, with anyone who has already had the vaccine and for, for people that are going to get the vaccine, do we know how long the vaccine is protected for? Are we talking like, you know, six months? Are we talking at least a year? Are we talking like, you know, lifetime immunity? Like what are the experts saying about this?
1: Right now the science is still evolving. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: The last I heard from the Moderna CEO is that it can last for more than a year. And this okay. was a few days ago. I you know, I think it depends on how fast the virus is mutating. And that was one of your questions. And it's right. it's hard to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it lasts for a year. I hope it's, you know, or, or even a few years. So we don't yeah. have to get keep getting two doses like this.
0: Right, right. I mean at the very least you know it's maybe even something like the influenza vaccine where we would get it yearly and i know it would like be a fine t- yeah yearly <laughs> <laughs> i would i would pay you know a couple hundred dollars for this be yearly but we'll you know only time will tell i guess with this right because i mean like you were saying before this vaccine was pushed out as an emergency release type of thing mm-hmm. and rollout. so so yeah. you know as time progresses we will know more and more about whether or not this, how long this vaccine is actually effective for. So, you know, a couple more questions about, like after getting the vaccine. So, Mm -mm. you know, after I've gotten the vaccine, do I still need to wear a mask or social distance?
1: Yes, you still do (laughs) because, you know, as great as this vaccine is, it's like a silver lining. It doesn't answer two questions. One is whether you can transmit the virus. So let's say, you know, having the virus on you, being infected, it's it's a, it's a, it's on a spectrum. So if you, let's say if you have the virus on you, but you're not really having symptoms, you can still give it to other people even if you already had the vaccine,
0: mm-hmm. there's a small
1: chance. So that's right. why you still need to wear the mask so you don't give it to other people. Sure, And then the other one is, you know, obviously we don't know how long this protection lasts.
0: Sure. Sure. And so, yeah, kind of tying back for that previous question, because we don't know how long it'll last, like you should still do your part by wearing a mask and physically distancing for, you know, the time being until more and more people are vaccinated and we get the numbers under better control. Right.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And you know the, these have been questions posed to me like most most often by <laughs> my family and relatives but you know people yeah. from who listen to the podcast too they they really want to know these questions yeah these and, are great
1: questions and,
0: yeah and then the other one that i've gotten a lot besides the one about still needing to wear a mask and social distancing after getting the vaccine is mm-hmm. can i can i get infected from the virus like is it is it possible to get infected? And if I do get infected, would it be a very bad infection, like a severe infection?
1: From what I read, if you were to get it, because remember it's 95% effective, right? Mm-hmm. So it's still right. maybe part of the unlucky 5%. If you do get it, it would be a milder form of gotcha. uh, infection. Yeah.
0: So it's it's kind kind of like the influenza vaccine in that mm-hmm. regard. whereas like you can still get it but if you do end up getting influenza it's going to be a very mild form so kind of similar with with covid okay that's Mm -hmm. that's good to know and then another after i get the vaccine do do i need to keep some sort of vaccine passport on me if i am traveling around the country or outside the country
1: Right now, after you get uh, vaccinated, uh, you do get a card and it has your name and it has, you know, the type of vaccine you have and which lot it's from. You, you should save that card and laminate it and make copies of it. That card may be asked when you travel. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is you can register your name through that vSafe safe app through the CDC. If if other, tra- whether it's travel agency or state or country that you go to, you could probably print out that, you know, you were vaccinated based on that CDC's website.
0: I see. I yeah. see. And we'll try so to get... The card is
1: the best way.
0: The, the card is the best way. Okay. Mm-hmm. That registry, we'll try to put on the show notes, you know, after after this episode releases so that you guys can click on that if you don't know, you know, where to go online. Yeah, And then, you know, the, a lot of people have asked me too. What is the percent population we would need to be immunized and vaccinated for this thing to to kind of return to normal, or you know, <laughs> do, you know, reach quote unquote herd immunity? Like, what what's the magic number? Is it like fifty percent? Is it seventy percent?
1: I've heard of anywhere from seventy five to ninety percent, and this is from Dr. Anthony Fauci.
0: Oh, okay. So this yeah. th- from the man. Okay, the man. From Yes. <laughs> so 75 to 90%, but again, this rollout for the vaccine takes time. So, I mean, we're not even looking at the earliest. It could be late late summer, right? Mid to late summer because you'd have uh-huh. to vaccine all those people, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay.
1: The supply is is maybe an issue too.
0: Supply, okay, Yeah. so the the rollout plus the supply. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. makes sense, that makes sense. Okay, so many won't get their vaccine, we just talked about it, till like mid 2021. So until then, you know, how can one best protect themselves? And you know, I think it's easy for me because I work in the hospital, so I have all this PPE available to me. But I mean, you know, for people, let's say people at home or people like you know, maybe going to the grocery store, like what, Mm -hmm. what, what can you tell these people to protect themselves the best that they can?
1: I would say, you know, first, follow the guidelines given to you from your local public health department. And if, if you don't have those guidelines from the local public health, follow the states because these guidelines are tailored to specific region. So you want it to be, you know, a little bit more specific to your local county and then state. So you know, usually the mask wearing, the social distancing. Certain counties, for example, for Los Angeles, if mm-hmm. you know, if you travel from outside Southern California and coming back in, we do have this travel uh, mandatory directive now, where people coming from outside into Southern California need to quarantine for ten to fourteen days. I see. So staying away from those people because they could have, they could have COVID. And I would, I would say, one of the best way to really you know, focus and think that how to prevent yourself weights. Assume, you know, depending on where you are, if you're in an area where a lot of people are getting tested and coming up positive, in LA, it's about 20% right now. Mm -hmm. Assume everyone has COVID. (laughs) And so...
0: uh, Yeah, I I think that policy is awesome, actually. You should assume until proven otherwise. (laughs) So so
1: when you assume that you are, you know, you are more cautious, you would wear your mask and you would, you wouldn't, you know, I think you're more cautious when you just assume everyone has COVID.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And...
1: You know, the other things to take care of yourself, you know, I would say still do the other aspects that you take care of your general health, not just, you know, for COVID, you know, the exercise, eat right, meditation, uh, connecting with friends and family, because once you feel yourself as a whole person that you're still complete, you know, you're able to make better decisions and you're able to stay focused and still, you know, wearing your mask, stay social distancing versus being fatigued.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so I mean, that's kind of the premise, the crux of my podcast. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> <laughs> is protecting your health outside of like the mask wearing, like your your immune system and your your overall health are your like last lines of defense against any infection, not even just COVID. You know. Yes. So yes. doing all that, like you know, you just said, is crucial. So moving on to the next question, for people who are essential workers, you know, frontline workers, not in the hospital. I'm talking about people who work at grocery stores, yeah. you know, people who, who work in the food industry, law enforcement, you know, firefighters. Mm-hmm. What can they, these people do to protect themselves the best way possible? Because I know from your own work with the LA Department of Public Health, you know, you help with mitigating these potential outbreaks in workplaces. So what have you found to be like the best way that one can protect themselves?
1: I would say um, you know, in addition to wearing masks, we recommend people to wear a face shields, especially if they're dealing with customers or clients mm. or just for the additional protection. Sure. And having hand wash frequent hand washing, hand sanitizer available. Be aware of like things that you touch on, um, I guess, things that you touch more frequently, doorknobs, maybe the refrigerator, the water dispenser. Just, you know, when you're touching that, assume it's dirty and not touch your face with it after you touch those frequently touched surfaces. So watch out for those areas. And... If you know, you know, th- th- this is one of my struggle is sometimes people have symptoms, you know, and, and it's so hard when we say, well, do you have symptoms? Yes or no? And and it's very gray area because some people have back pain and that's actually one of the COVID symptoms, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but people will still brush it off and still go to work. And so if you know of a coworker that's having a COVID symptom, you know, probably stay away, you know, stay far from that coworker and maybe encourage that coworker to seek care because what's going on is people are going into work having symptoms. And so you may get it from your coworkers.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm So touching on a couple of those points you just you just mentioned, the one thing was the wearing the the visor or the face shield, right?
1: Yes, the face shield. Is it
0: okay to just wear the face shield or should I wear the mask too?
1: You have to wear the mask too. You gotta wear the mask. Uh, yes, you wear yes, it. yeah. You, you have, to wear the mask. <laughs>
0: have to wear the mask. That is the most important thing. If you're gonna pick one or the other, wear the mask. The mask, okay? yes, yes. But you know, the added measure of protection with the face shield is huge. How about yes. goggles? Goggles? Goggles up fit. too, yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And then you touched, <laughs> no pun intended, you touched on the surfaces thing. So, <laughs> in touching surfaces give you coronavirus. And, and if so how, how does that happen what, what's the process?
1: well you know if you have the virus on there and you just kind of touch your food and touch your lips and
0: like rub your nose and rub your nose or yeah. something like that
1: you are going to inhale in the virus you know the virus. You can't do that. It's a smaller risk versus someone coughing and you inhale all that aerosolized air with the virus. It's smaller risk for, you know, touching um, those surfaces and touching yourself, which is why we recommend people wear a face mask and, you know, wash their hands and clean those areas.
0: Right, right. With
1: specific EPA disinfectant that kill coronavirus. You have to look at the product and see what the contact time is to see, you know, how many seconds it needs to sit there um, and let it dry. Mm-hmm. And so it can kill coronavirus. And you can also check on EPA's website, you know, which product actually killed coronavirus. And that's available online.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we got a couple more questions before we go. Sure. You know, if if the virus is so contagious, why, why aren't we seeing a ton of cases? you know, being spread through daycares or preschools. Whereas like, you know, we have elementary schools through high schools or even colleges closed, or we see a bunch of outbreaks in nursing homes. Like, what's the difference between these these places?
1: So with these places, when, you, when you're when talking about schools, these are people who are, you know, healthier and they're walking, so ambulatory. What we found in the schools is that the, the kids actually somehow got exposed to, parents or adults in their lives we actually did not find data that they were giving to each other at the school setting at least for preschool and, and daycare and then for the nursing homes these patients are you know tend to be older sicker and so it's it's easier for it to spread because they're confined you know and it could be it could be you know the the, the ventilation is poor and where they're staying but they're, that's where they live they're not going right. outside
0: you right. Know, so basically, the, no cha-
1: exchange of air. You know, minimum.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're you know, whereas these childcare places or you know preschools, they're only there for X amount of hours in a day, it's, and, and it's, plus their their immune systems and you know their age way different, right? You have yeah. got y- young toddlers, kids with robust immune systems versus you know impaired immune systems with elderly. So that makes sense. Okay, and then last question: Are we going to still need to wear masks everywhere we go. Once things kind of go back to "quote unquote" normal,
1: I hope we don't. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't have to. But I, 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 it's, it's very, it's very difficult to define that normal because we have to draw a line of are we saying, you know, five percent of the people who have COVID is that normal or is it zero percent that's normal? Right. I think we have to draw a new, <laughs> a, a baseline. new baseline. Yeah. yeah. Before we call it normal. And, you know, I, I see in other countries that people don't have to wear a mask, you know, but mm-hmm. but when you look at other countries where they don't have to, but they still do because mm-hmm. they are being extra cautious.
0: Yeah. Like in Asia.
1: Exactly. You know, yeah. and I, I think they learned the lesson very well from SARS, you know, like mm-hmm. uh Taiwan is actually i would love to visit taiwan because i think they've done amazing work in terms of public health they really control it well they have an incident command center and they really enforce like the contact tracing really make sure people quarantine and if not they they, they penalize
0: yeah um, I it's I'm a hefty over, fine. <laughs> right. yeah super hefty fine i actually know because my wife she's taiwanese by ethnicity so you know she has some cousins who still live there and they tell us about it and I mean they also tell us about how you know no one's really wearing masks Mask. very much because they you know they've done such a great job with containing it and contact yes. tracing so life's kind of like normal over there. Yeah, it, I hey, I want to go. I want to go too. <laughs> Let's just go together. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, we should. I mean there are countries like that and uh, you know unfortunately I I wish I can say I wish that we could have it normal within a year but you know the last pandemic in the US in you know, the 1900. it was like two and a half years, between two to three years. So yeah, it was I, like
0: two to three years, yeah.
1: I exp- until we really have people to take this seriously and not just think about themselves, like, oh, it's mm-hmm. me, me, me and my health, but just think of the fact that you could potentially infect others, you know, right. and that what you can do to prevent this, you know, virus from spreading, you know. Yeah. Little things that you can do, like, you know, obviously if you cough or sneeze, I think everyone knows that they need to sneeze in their shirt or away from others. Sure. But the mask wearing really, you know, does help. And and I think it's important to, you know, just just really be vigilant about it and just don't have like a one incident where you go see somebody. And then I've seen this happen, you know, people giving their coworkers haircut and then the coworkers go to work and they get COVID and then they just give it to everyone else in the store. And so it's like, oops, you know.
0: Yeah, um, right. Yeah. But you know, you you mentioned masks are good. I mean, they're great. Like, yeah. look at me. I mean, I know I'm only one case, but I've been working in the hospital caring for coronavirus patients since March. I haven't yeah. gotten sick once. You know,
1: yeah.
0: and yeah. I wear I wear double masks when I see my <laughs> patients, and now I just wear double masks wherever I go in the hospital now because it's so prevalent. But masks work. I mean, like they I am do. one of many cases yeah. and i mean like yourself too you you haven't gotten it either
1: i haven't no i haven't yeah
0: and you, you, you <laughs> go to see patients in the prisons and i do yeah yeah and so like i mean you know very well i mean it mm-hmm. these masks work you got to use them and it's not just yeah. about you it's about the people you love the people you care mm-hmm. about so mm-hmm. last question before we go yes where can people find you online
1: I am active on LinkedIn as well as Instagram. So you can reach out to me there. I try to post more on the health and wellness uh, topics and I'm, wel- you know, I welcome any questions about public health and, you know, COVID and medicine.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope a lot of people benefit from, from this talk. So, and thank you again, you know, it, hopefully we can have you back on the show to talk more COVID or not even COVID, like health
1: and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we we should go back to health and wellness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So, how was that? Thanks again to the wonderful Dr. Hang Tran for offering up her expertise in this area, and I hope our talk helped provide you with enough information to better protect you during this pandemic. Please reach out to Dr. Tran or myself to let us know how this one was for you on our respective social platforms, which you can find the links to in our show notes. And I'm always interested in improving this show. So if you have any suggestions on topics you want to hear how we can make the show better or to just let me know how a specific episode or guest helped inspire you, email me at drjonar at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, appreciate Dr. Tran for being on the show. And as always, appreciate you tuning in to hear our talk. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe, like, and review my podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with your family, friends, and online because sharing is caring. Thanks again to the wonderful and smart Amelia Liu, my intern, to Jacob Ferrer for production help and to Stock Sounds for the music. And lastly, to you. Thank you again for listening. And remember, your state of health starts with your state of mind. So till next time, enjoy the process, my friends. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice, so please talk to your primary physician for that. In addition, the views and opinions expressed by me are my own and not that of my former, current, or future employer. This also applies to my guests. Finally, we do our best to make every effort to relay correct information. We do not guarantee its accuracy. Thank you for listening.